So today is probably one of the most exciting podcasts we've ever recorded because we're not over Zoom, we're finally back together. We are actually in the same room. Yay! So the quality is better and the vibe is probably going to be better. Yeah, because we haven't seen each other in about six months properly, so this is very... Yeah. Fun. This is really interesting. And the vibe today is also going to be different because, controversially, we're not doing a light-hearted five-minute chat at the beginning. Sorry if that's all you're here for. (laughs) Today, we're switching it up and we are doing a debate. Yes. Ooh. It's going to be exciting. So, um, just for anyone who's concerned, me and Hannah are actually, we formed a little bubble since we've come back to Southampton uh, and moved away from our family. So, we should be, unless there's another full UK lockdown (laughs) recording together like this for the foreseeable future yeah which is very exciting and fun for us all and also there are no more than just two of us so we're still under the limit we are under the limit there is not six five secret people here (laughs) (laughs) we wish that we had that much of a big production team (laughs) it's just us yeah we got a lighting man even though this is a podcast you got a dude with a boom mic holding over us you've got someone uh, i don't even know what the clapperboard is called where it goes yeah, Action. I mean, yeah, I think it is, is it called, called a clapperboard. Board? Well, yeah. there we are. Yeah, right. that's what we should do. No, we shouldn't because we're not matching it to video. Don't worry. <laughs> but as Meg said, this week we're going to be shaking it up a bit with a bit of a, a debate. And the debate is uh, me and Meg uh, arguing what is better, legit musical theatre or uh, contemporary musical theatre. Now, I will just disclaim, like... I think both of us love both sides. We do, yeah. So me and Hannah are cutting out um, the section that we both absolutely love, so we're not discussing Android Weber, Stephen Sondheim, um, Schoenberg, which is Les Mis, because that is kind of in the middle. It's hard to define whether it's legit or contemporary, and also we think whoever had that would win. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so I'm doing yeah. uh, from kind of the beginning to about the early 60s, late 50s, and you're doing... Um, from the 90s onwards. Yes. Yes, so. to present day. Very exciting. So I feel like it's an automatically win on my side. Not sure about that when I've got some good points all lined up for you. Um, I wish I brought one of those hitty things that the judges have. A gavel. Have. A gavel. I wish I had a gavel. I was thinking earlier we could have done with like an adjudicator to decide who wins. That's true. That's true. We're going to have to ask maybe, our audience. So um, you'll have to, we're going to ask the audience to see who argued their side best and you will have to do it by following our Instagram at the weekly overture and uh, commenting on the, the picture when this comes out on that week, who you thought won. Yes, definitely. Uh, so yeah, so let's kick it off then. So um, Meg then. So um, I thought when I was doing a little bit of planning and we chatted about this together, that it would be good to kind of, because which is better makes it sound like it's just pure opinion. So I thought it'd be good to break it down into sections. So we're going to be talking about the writing, the plot. We're going to be talking about um, kind of the vocal technique and that goes into the part. We're going to be talking about the popularity and we're going to be talking about the element of inclusion. So um, well, let's start by talking about the writing. So, Hannah, do you want to take us away? The writing yeah. of new <clears throat> musical theatre. I think that contemporary musical theatre is much better than old musical theatre because probably bar two legit musical the- musicals that I could think of, 
writing nowadays is so relevant to uh, modern day experiences like we've mentioned in our last podcasts i think rent for example do stuff that are just timeless and so relevant with lgbtq community homelessness hamilton with the whole um immigration and tackling race you've got six women uh women empowerment you've got uh dear evan hansen with um mental health and these are things that are so relevant to present day and will probably which is a sad thing for some of those topics well actually all of them will probably um be still present in like 10 years hopefully not all of them but like mental health i don't think will go away Mm. um and it's and it's looking back in all of the beautiful stories that are from there it you it, it it's timeless like we said with hamilton so i think story wise they're they're really good i um i can see a point about um modern musicals can you but i think um we're saying that yes mental health might still be a concern in 10 years down the time line but we look at when so legit musical theater i'm talking now the early ones the 30s the 40s the 50s what was going on in the world then was world war ii and what everybody needed was escapism and that's what these musicals delivered absolutely to a t i think unlike modern musicals don't do anymore because actually i think a downside of including such issues is you go to the theater anymore um you currently go to the theater and there's so, these issues that are brought up that it doesn't let you escape from your normal life as much. This, you go and see Oklahoma, for example. <laughs> <laughs> and um, you're watching it and you're caught up in the life of Curly and Judd and Laurie. And, you know, and there's still, the topics are there underlying. And as we've discussed before, you know, I think Oklahoma walked so that these musicals could run. The issues of race in Showboat almost 100 years ago, the issues of mental health in Oklahoma that are brought up, the issues of gang violence in West Side Story, the way that was treated, the way that race was shown for the first time. These absolutely built the bridges and the blocks for what Yet, could come in how, contemporary musical theatre. However, though, I would, I would, however, I would have to argue, though, other than... Uh, probably West Side Story. I would say the plot is pretty, pretty simple. Like Oklahoma, for example, um, it's the entire story is about asking girls out to a dance and then buying their hampers. That's the entirety of the story. Where there's so much more depth to uh, uh, contemporary musicals, because uh, and it's the same with like um, Showboat. Even though there are underlying um, good things that they're tackling um, about race. It, it's still just about people living and entertainment on on a boat. Carousel. A guy. D- spoiler alert. A guy dies, but he was a part of of a carousel dude that let it go round. But the, I the think points are simple. Yes, but I think the, the thing. The thing is that so the plot is more simplified. I agree. But I think now, I've said this before, I find sometimes musicals so overwhelming, contemporary musicals, when you go and see them for the first time. These traditional musicals, when you go and see them, the plot is simple. You can have no 
absolute no kind of experience of it and you can go you can enjoy it and just have a really good time there's not all these elements that you're trying to unpick and I think for me at the end of the day musical theatre and going to see a performance comes down to how much you purely enjoy it and I think that you get that in traditional musical theatre and I think it's become it's so ingrained in all of us you know I'm, I'm sure we've all in school shows and from the beginning you know we'd be doing Oliver Twist Annie these are absolute timeless you know and they have such scope for these huge numbers and it just I think it just it, it's classic yeah but the thing is though is that you have all of this in contemporary musical theatre as well like Shrek the Musical absolutely brilliant great numbers really fun um, people already know the story from the hit movie and um, you just you just come away singing the tunes and just having a really fun night. So you don't need old musical theatre where the music is very dated and people probably won't be as interested in in it as um, the songs that you find in Shrek and Kinky Boots. That even is like a really fun musical that you really enjoy. Got Aladdin that came out in t 2014 on Broadway for the first time. That's a really fun musical. Beauty and the Beast, that's a really nice, great musical. Mamma Mia 2001, that's a really fun, happy <laughs> musical with your whole escapism, great bangers, great dancers brilliant colours because I've seen it on, um, at the Mayflower and it's r fantastic fluorescent colours all the way through it's brilliant so uh, I don't think legit musical theatre just does that um, but well. I think with um, with legit musical theatre though it just encapsulates and you have to remember as well I think you have to respect the history these musicals have been going for 80 years and are still growing strong you know and there are ones that came out in only like 15 20 years ago and you know they're already becoming kind of dated <laughs> i think legit musical theater as well appeals to a really wide audience i think each all of the musicals you know we've described although they're really popular you look at hamilton i absolutely love hamilton i'm not saying i don't my mum can't get on board with the music you know and you look at certain ones so aladdin absolutely great family fun but you're not going to go and see that if you're an elderly couple on your own for example and i think that there is much more niche and i agree that you know it's not for everyone in oklahoma or it's not for everybody showboat i mean showboat's got its own issues going on but um, it was still very revolutionary at the time and i think that um that that can't be overlooked yeah, but I, I think you can use that argument for contemporary musical theatre because I don't think a young child of, of maybe 10 is going to want to go see Carousel because the music is very... So, like, oh, for people that don't know, legit musical theatre is more more classical you could say yeah, very kind operatic. of operatic yeah yeah whereas contemporary musical theater i mean it can kind of vary but normally it's more down the commercial side of music if you listen to the soundtracks but then actually sometimes it doesn't have to be because uh where the periods come off i've got um miss saigon which came out in 1991 on broadway you know that is sort of elements of both where there are quite songs that you could say come under that opera legit musical theater number like why god why i would say is a very like um can be sung very operatically but then played on a solo saxophone i think that's what the tune's called it's very like jazzy and then commercial so like um that that's that's just to explain 
explain that to you, but I've forgotten what my point was now. I th- oh, yeah. <clears throat> oh, yeah, so... So I think you can argue that with the same, but then just with the opposite ends. Like, okay, yeah, maybe an elderly couple just by themselves might not want to see Aladdin, but I don't think a bunch of 15-year-olds are going to go want to watch Carousel or Oklahoma. You know, I, I think I, I, I think that's a good point, but I think I can use that point too. <laughs> I, I think... Um... To be honest, I think we're going to be going back and forth on this point yeah. forever if we don't kind of draw it. So although yeah. I could add things here, I don't think anything... I'm not it's saying Hannah's it. won, but I don't think that... I think <laughs> we're just going to keep adding small little points yeah. here and we're not yeah. going to go anywhere. So I'm going to say let's draw a line under yeah. better writing. So let us know on yeah. our Weekly Overture Instagram page. Just a reminder, that's at the Weekly Overture. Um, <laughs> Uh, for those who didn't understand that, that was at the weekly overture. You're gonna get punched in a minute, Hannah. <laughs> Actually, yeah, that's alright. Got to watch what I was saying. You couldn't do anything on Zoom. You could have just gone I'm here in the flesh. Brilliant. <laughs> you guys are gonna notice that now. Yeah. When you watch notice it. me going. Great. Great. Brilliant. Right. Lovely. <laughs> Moving us on. <laughs> this is something that. We both bully me on. Right, anyway. <laughs> so that wraps us up for better writing. So yeah, I didn't finish my point before I, my voice started cracking. <laughs> Let us know for each section. Say like, oh, actually, I think Meg won them all. Mm. Um, you know, and, uh, and I, I know. <laughs> but if you think like, oh, actually, I'll give Hannah like a pity vote for better writing. <laughs> you can let us know that as well. <laughs> Our next section is that was really hard to say without saying brilliant or. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, our next section. I'm leaving that in. Is <laughs> good. Our next section is um, about which style. <laughs> which style lends itself better to. Um, for better vocal technique, what do we think about the vocal techniques in both? What produces better singers? I'm gonna let Hannah <clears throat> pull this one off because I started the last. Well, I I do think that there actually is. Uh, so as a singer myself, um, I do believe that it's more difficult uh, with the contemporary way of singing musical theatre because. Um, you are actually starting to really have to rely on what's called your mix which is the sort of middle like area of your range um before you go into like your head voice or your chest so that's what it is your mix is in the middle and your head voice is up high chest is normally where you sing when you're singing down low and the thing is though is that when it comes to legit musical theatre you normally oh no sorry contemporary musical theatre you normally actually have like lots of different emotions running wild in the songs rather than more of a mellow or or like consistent theme that i find with legit musical theatre so for example with you uh that song is like really hard to sing because you you have to go from using like your head voice on more the softer parts where she's sad to it being a bit low and using your chest for power but then you really need to use your mix in the middle section um which is kind of belty so so actually what professional 
singers would use when you think they're belting in songs is actually if they really have good support and really good vocal cords then yeah they might be belting but normally you would use a mix and and i think that, that technique is really difficult like i struggle with it so much whereas i feel like with legit musical theater you you just really kind of just need to sing high for a girl or you need to sing alto for a girl well I, like I think it. um it that kind of leads quite nicely onto my point because so it's similar to what i was going to say is about it? um belting but i think that belting is actually much more limiting and restrictive of the kind of uh, roles that there are and the kind of people who can go into the roles so for example we look at men in musical theater and most of the roles now are written for tenors it need you know there's nearly always a big ballad in contemporary musical theatre. That's a very specific type of male voice that can happen and thinking <laughs> of the same thing. <laughs> and um, I think often people who aren't really that voice type but want to be performing in musical theatre that it means that people who are say wanting to get into musical theatre or um want to go into that role, they you know, they kind of end up singing things that they perhaps shouldn't for their voice because it's so limiting mm. now to you know play a main role and be a bass in a show mm. and i think that also the way that most singers are trained now is mm. classically um and if you grow up doing you know abrsm board exams which if anybody doesn't know is the kind of it's what most um grades are no, there's lots of different ones you know there's guild hall there's, there's loads but i did trinity she, Tr she did trinity oh, you can tell um, <laughs> joking they're all very good and similar <laughs> but um you know they, these are kind of the classic grade one grade two or grade three which if you're you know looking at doing musical theater you've probably done this and you haven't really probably been trained to belt to do that and i think that that makes it much more difficult whereas um my with legit musical theater you know it, there is still specific style you do have to have a trained voice for it and i think um that is it, and it is it's kind of quasi operatic where um and there's a lot of kind of vibrato in certain roles but i think that it's also much more inclusive i think you know we think about things like showboat and oh man river that's a proper you know like bassy kind of song and i think that there's much more roles and often the villains in legit musical theater have those kind of there's more roles for that but then if you think about more modern musicals and the villains it there's not that so much scope so that's why i think legit musical theater is more inclusive vocally mm. um and i think also it means that you're not there's much more availability for different voice types i think it's not just you know you ha i know not all roles need belting but you know if you want to be a successful musical theater singer now you kind of almost have to have, be able to belt well and i think that, that it, that's why legit musical theater is better yeah, I I see your point, but a part of me disagrees because but the thing you're is, wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I let's agree that I'm correct and you're wrong. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So basically, I do think that I do see what you mean. There are a lot more tenor parts, but I do think bases are um uh oh, what's it advocated for catered for catered for catered for catered for uh like beauty and the beast the beast is a base and 
you've also um, got um, Miss Saigon again. I would say that the the chap that play that sings Badoy, Badoy. Oh gosh, I can't speak it now. But I think you guys know what I mean. Um, he he's more baritone, and I think that's what it is. Actually, I think a lot more people, especially when you think of Amdram. <laughs> amateur theatre for those or amateur dramatics for those who, who don't know you know actually a lot more people are more baritones with a um a not so wide of a range and i do think that contemporary musical theatre does cater for that uh however i do agree i do think that you have to be quite a high singer in contemporary musical but my argument towards that is that a bad thing because if anything that's even more impressive and you have to put more work into it and actually then the reward and the outcome of how you sing the piece is just like even more um rewarding and and it's technically more challenging which is really fun like anybody could sing many a new day or, or like out of your dreams if you can sing high it, 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 there's nothing to it i guess you just have to not sound like you're screeching i think picking up the point that you said about amdram what's difficult about this point is that you know it's not an opinion this is the way voice types work it's just talking about which is better but i think picking up about amdram though it, it becomes much more limiting because I think theatre should be for everyone. I think there should be professional productions, you know, right down to school. I think that it's amazing to be able to immerse yourself from a young age. You know, Wicked could never be put on in a school because, or, you know, it, it, it's quite hard because what are the chances that there's someone in the school that can sing Define Gravity and do Alphabet's part and somebody who can be Glinda, you know, and somebody who can be Fiero? I think it becomes more limiting for that wider and i've got to say i do agree with you on the fact that it became it becomes kind of more elite and you have to you have to be at a higher level to be on the west end to be on broadway to be in these top productions but i think that it becomes less inclusive at the lower end and it also kind of filters people out at a smaller group because people might feel like their voice doesn't fit into mm. a certain box of musical theater now well, I do think you're right in that school performance probably couldn't pull off Wicked, but nobody's going to be able to do that anyway because Wicked isn't available for amateurs. Okay. So choose a musical where <laughs> okay. amateurs oh. can do okay. it. Okay. okay, okay. That was an example of one. <laughs> okay, where... But that was, I was trying, what I was trying to express no, was okay. the vocal points. And okay. I didn't actually know that, that it isn't available for amateurs. So no. I've learned something new today. No. Maybe you have as well. Uh, no, because um, uh, any any show, just in case anyone was ever interested, if a show is on West End, uh, it won't be available for amateurs because obviously it would be com competition against their own So anything that's show. currently on the West End. Yeah. I actually didn't know that. Yeah, yeah so okay. yeah, that's all. So like, for example, uh, the amateur theatre group that my parents were a part of, they wanted to do The Adams Family, but then The Adams Family went on tour, funny enough, with Carrie Hope Fletcher. Right. Um, so they ha they they got refused the rights because obviously they, they don't want to put on a probably just as good um performance of adam's family for cheaper tickets in a more convenient venue where you know because it's taken some people mm, it's I, just yeah. taken away audience members yeah. and so that that's why and that's why because wicked is constantly on west end 
That's why it's a bad example to use because no one can do it. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm talking, okay, imagine we're 10 10 years, no, that's not my point. (laughs) Imagine we're 10 years down the line, Wicked is off the West End, schools still aren't going to be able to do it realistically. No. Okay, fine. Okay, that's right. that was my point in they the go. long run. Fine. Okay, that's, that's okay. Fine. So I think with this point, we're both kind of in agreement in who can play different roles, but yeah. our kind of point in contention is why is each side better? So that's what we'd like you to help us decide on. Yeah. What do you think about this? Because the facts are the same, you know. Yeah, and I feel like our po- your point is the fact that more people could probably sing legit musical theatre than the technical difficulty of contemporary musicals, which I agree with, but then my point is I think contemporary musicals better because actually it's really cool to challenge people and then when people pull it off, it's really cool and you just sit there going, wow, like I watched the last five years yesterday with, um, with a friend of mine and Jeremy Jordan, it's the movie version, and Jeremy Jordan plays uh, Jamie, and he just sings his songs, and it's effortless, and you're like, wow, and that's where I think it's better, because you think, fair enough, a girl could get, like, a top C. Yeah, that's, like, really, poof, well done them, you know, but it's not as impressive as Jeremy Jordan singing uh, She's Scared Goddess. Mm-hmm. Well, I think, um, I think it's a good point, but I think as well that it's the the truth of it is as well i think it's very impressive at the moment because it's more niche and i think because music this i think if we go, transport back to the 40s this the style of legit musical theater i would think would have been really impressive at the time i think that would have been you know something that the audiences would have been sat thinking wow you know but because it's been like that and more people have trained and people have tried to achieve it that mm. now more people can do it and i think that actually in you know 50 years down the line i think more people will be able to belt really well and that will become kind of more of the norm and there might be a new vocal style that comes in that you know the people who can belt us at they're going oh my gosh this so i think mm. um i've made yeah. some very good points mm. but we're on, we're on a quite a similar page i think just so. slightly different yeah. yeah i think so okay i'm still winning Oh, you're not winning. We don't know who's winning. Yes, we do. <laughs> I'm. I don't think you're winning. I, think I don't think I you're am. winning. Okay. Well, the next one is, um, so is in popularity. Oh right, I win. Okay. You don't, don't need to do this. I just. You win. do not need to do. We do. We do need to do this. <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying. We do need to do this because you think you won, but yeah. you have not. I have right? my You can't just sit there leaning back thinking. I know this all. I do. Okay, right, okay. So, since you think you're gonna win it, go ahead. Musical theatre is at its prime. It's like the golden era right now for musical theatre. If you think about Hamilton, if you think about Dear Evan Hansen... What, you makes, you, what makes you say that it's the golden era? Because so many... Musical theatre is so popular right now. If you think about TikTok, how many musical theatre TikToks are out there? You know, that wouldn't have happened with... Um, <laughs> Carousel. Well, that wouldn't have happened with Carousel <laughs> because TikTok wasn't invented. Okay, but I, I mean, I mean, it's really big. So many people are saying it, and like because musical theatre is becoming more commercialised, so many people are coming into it, like uh, uh, to, to coming to see it. You, you, 
you know, with the whole idea of six being based around like really cool um, singers like Beyonce, uh, I think it's uh, either, yeah, Eliza Doolittle and that, you know, you're bringing in so such a bigger audience and you are, you are earning, you are get, just really bringing it, I just, I just think, and think of all of the movie musicals that are being created right now, you wouldn't, they wouldn't be, be being made if the audience wasn't there like we've we had cats yeah that was a flop but you know we had cats but we were getting in the heights uh, i think you know hamilton's gone on disney plus and disney is like a massive huge business and organization you've got um um oh what's another dear evan hansen is being turned into a movie now you have the great showman you have mamma mia that became a huge movie musical as well with the incredible meryl streep and you've um you've got stuff like this you know they wouldn't make it you know the industry is a business they wouldn't make something if they know it's not going to sell and even though we've both expressed we don't like la la land la la land had huge reviews and lots of people really liked it and it was big and you have big names um and and you know and and that's kind of what what's happening so i think that and and also i feel like maybe the media has a huge help in that but I do feel like there are probably way more people watching or even knowing musical theatre songs uh, in contemporary musicals than there would be in legit mus- musical theatre. I think um, I can I can see your point. I can see what you're trying to say. I'll get the uh, figures uh, out later, but um, um, let's see your argument. I can, I can see what you're trying to say there. Um, I think that um, the popularity of you know, contemporary musical theatre right now. And you're right, you know, it is more readily accessible. I could go on Netflix right now and find 10 musicals very easily. But I think actually that's a shame in a way that musical theatre, you know, you can access from your own home because I think it kind of, it detracts from the magic of it and people call themselves a fan and they might have actually never been to see a live show, you know, and you just go and kind of, um, you might just listen to the soundtrack and say, oh, I absolutely love Waitress. And that's fine if you absolutely love Waitress and you absolutely love the soundtrack. It doesn't mean you can't be a fan of it. But I think it's not the same as when the only way of, you know, experiencing it was going to see a show and you would have booked this ticket and you would have been anticipating this so much. And you might have had the sheet music, that you know, going back to the time of Timpan Alley that you played on the piano. You might have played, you know, um, Can't Help Loving That Man of Mine or something because you hear these great reviews and you book a ticket and it's 11 months, let's say, until you can even experience it. And I think that magic, that excitement, especially when it was one of the only forms of entertainment at the time i think that popularity element of it i think that would that's unprecedented today when we have so much else going on and just talking to then about these shows popularity today yes it might be easy to say that they're less popular because you look at the west end and things like oklahoma carousel you know these don't appear um straight away these aren't on the west end they're just not i think that they they will always be popular you know you look annie oliver twist they are annie (laughs) annie oliver twist you know um as i said west's story these are all still really really popular for younger performances the films are still loved annie was remade what a few years ago it's you know a time the story really in not a few years ago like six years ago no i was gonna say that wasn't it wasn't good no (laughs) but it was remade um because the story it still can still have relevance yeah. and i think so i would say that 
the popularity if you're looking at direct figures yes obviously more contemporary music tickets have been sold this year than have been sold for legit musical theater but i don't think that means it's less popular and i think that a lot of people roots stem in legit musical theatre yeah, yeah but the thing is though is that you say oh you think it's a shame that these mu- musicals are being turned into movies but then your argument's saying that these musicals have been turned into movies and they're timeless well I could use that against contemporary but actually these these movies like Hamilton has become and been put on Disney plus but people would still pay to go see it live obviously we're in a huge pandemic so we can't do that but the thing is though is that even though these um, these musicals are being turned into films or have been turned into films they are still being played and tickets are still being brought live so that shows even more that the point that even though they're easily accessible people are still going out there i'm not i'm not debating the fact that, that was people really aggressive then i apologize sorry no it's fine like, i'm not ow. i'm not debating the fact that these musicals you know that people aren't going to see them that's not what i'm saying i'm saying i'm not saying that you know the arts aren't being supported nothing like that i completely agree i mean hamilton is really sold out you know how expensive the tickets are yeah but what i'm saying is that i think that it is a shame that it's like that and that you go into hamilton and you can know all the words of the song in a way and that it's not you lose the magic of experiencing it for the first time in the show unless you're in for some of the you don't have to do that you don't have to do that no but most people would and to, to be honest you know say you book to see a show you tend to get, listen to the soundtrack in advance now. I do. I mean, when you booked, uh, we booked to go and see Kinky Boots. I didn't know it. I thought, oh, you know, I don't want to. It's. I don't want to just go and sit in not knowing it. Um, especially because most people in there will probably know it. So I listened to the soundtrack a couple of times so that, and then I could kind of bop along a little bit. And I think in, but I kind of wish that that wasn't an option that I went and the first time I experienced it was seeing all the glitz, the glam and, you know, mm. and not watching it on YouTube or watching it but on... But I think that, I don't think that's a valid argument because it's completely down by choice. So people that, so you wanted to, you could have chosen to experience it for the first time not knowing any of the songs but you chose to listen to the music uh, and so that you knew a couple of the songs so just because it's there just because it's there doesn't mean that you have to have it it's like the forbidden fruit in like adam and eve you know the, the tree's there and the fruit's there yeah but you don't have to eat it it's like that so you didn't have to do that i'm not saying that people have to do it that no but i i I'm i can, just, I can I'm understand saying that your point isn't valid then because it's 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 a choice that you have to make so uh, so actually people don't they can experience it the way that you would have experienced it back in the era that you're discussing about but people choose not to but some people would choose to like um yeah Okay, I can see that you're questioning the validity of my point. I can see what you're trying to do. However, I completely um, disagree because I think (laughs) that in the age of social media as well, say I decided I didn't want to go and see Hamilton. Um, I didn't, no, sorry, that I phrased that wrong. Um, Say that I decided I didn't want to engage with any of the music before I went to see Hamilton. I wanted it to be a completely unique experience. Mm -hmm. Well, in a way that's ruined for me because on TikTok, I probably because of my personalised page, but, you know, a lot of my For You page is music from Hamilton. Yeah, but you wouldn't have known that was Hamilton. But yeah, well, but the first time I watched it on Disney+, Plus, I was like, I know this song, I know, I know this, I know this segment. I was singing along and I'd never listened to the soundtrack of Hamilton mm. because I wanted to experience Hamilton properly. Um, 
okay, it was on screen. That was my choice yeah. because I know realistically, even once theatres open, it's probably going to be a while until I go to London and have enough money to, for tickets to Hamilton. <laughs> oh, yeah. So um, that's what, but I yeah. wanted to experience it and without knowing a soundtrack, but I already knew it because of the nature of social media today. Mm. And, you know, unless you kind of opt out of TikTok and you don't know, I'm listening to this and it soundtracks like, um, I'm just I, like one of the, it's one of King George's songs, the one I'm thinking of. Um, oh yeah, and um, that I just I just used to hear all the time, and I didn't even mm. know it was from Hamilton. I didn't yeah. know it was King George's song, and that was kind of not ruined for me. But I I felt that I I, I think it's a shame. Yeah, but I would but they would release uh, vinyl singles of songs and things like that. My grandma has a um, some uh, vinyl. Uh, discs of carousel um oklahoma and phantom of the opera they would they would do it just the same and there was such thing as a radio back then and they probably and again like you say because of the period of the time that music was popular back then so people would still hear it so no matter what they'll hear the song (laughs) but maybe just not on tiktok okay i can i can see what you're saying i think if at anything now we're starting to detract a little bit from our original point. Exactly. Which we're was, just fighting each other. We are just fighting each other. Right. Which is the popularity of them. And I think that although in figures it would seem like contemporary musical theatre is more popular. Yes. Can and I, I say my figures? You I can say your figures. Them. So the, actually, um, the most, I've only got two because they're the, like one of the most um they're the mus- musicals that have made the most, and that is The Lion King, which opened up in 1997. Funny enough, fun fact, the year my sister was born. And it's made $1.68 billion on Broadway. And Wicked, which opened in 2003, has made $1.37 billion. I mean, that's a lot of cha-ching. That is a lot of cha-ching, but I would be interested, actually. I didn't research the figures for Oklahoma, which I could have a quick look now on my phone and shows like that, because I think... um, So, but you have to remember, a billion wasn't even, like, a concept in the 40s and the 50s, you know. The theatre tickets probably would have been, like, three pounds. I don't know, that might be a bit ridiculous. But the money money has inflated so much that you can't do a direct comparison of, okay, this is how much wicked gross in its first five years and this is how much oklahoma grossed because you know mm. the money isn't comparable because you know one that's absolutely that's not very successful on the west end now in relative terms comparatively to a really successful one from the 40s would still look way more successful mm. because of the way that inflation has changed so for example say a school puts on oliver and you know the ticket sales that of that school production that help out the school that it wouldn't be included and what isn't included as well is the value of those productions that i think is added and i'm not saying value isn't added with kind of contemporary shows at all but you have to consider that it's not all about money and also that some children's first experience of a show would be their school show and it would be oliver or annie or something or west Side story or something you know similar and i think that that should have a high value and also that we should value its history as well as its popularity in current day and i think we can't appreciate current musical theater without appreciating legit that's gone before well um yeah okay yeah i yeah i I do think you have to appreciate um legit musical theater but may not be selling more 
Yeah, I, I'll agree with you that. I, mm. I will agree mm. that, you know, it doesn't sell more tickets. I will agree on that. Mm. Um, and that people generally do want to go and see the new thing. I, I completely agree with that. You know, people want to go and see Hamilton or yeah. Waitress or Six yeah. because it's new, it's exciting, you know, yeah. and I completely agree on that. But I don't think that is the be all and end all. Well, again, going with popularity, one thing I will say is that I've um, watched an, an interview with Andrew Lloyd Webber and when he was at Cambridge or Oxford, I can't remember what uni, I think it was Cambridge, you know, he, he that's where his partnership with Tim Rice started. And that, back in that day, like he was saying, musicals just, it just wasn't a thing, you know, y- you, you, it was it was kind of weird that he even wanted to write musical theatre. So when he found Tim Rice and they had the same shared opinions on musical theatre, it was quite amazing. And then you know, and I think even though that's not quite in your jurisdiction of timeline or something, clearly musical theatre wasn't big until really now. Where, like I say, with t- it, it is kind of everywhere. Someone will know at least probably i would say three musical theater songs okay may it be hamilton six mm. dear evan hansen I, I mean even 21 chump street because yeah. you know you, you what i don't know oh yeah i, I don't want your money that yeah. one don't want to say it like that <laughs> i don't want your money <laughs> i can just stuff for you yeah <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I think um, I think the thing yeah. is though um, I've just completely forgot my point. I, d- I was gonna say, but d- should we move on? Yeah, let's move on. Okay. Because I think I don't think we can argue anymore. No. Okay. Right. So um, our final point today um, is going to be about which do you think is better for overall inclusion? And you think of inclusion, you might be thinking of just on the stage but a big point for me is the orchestra you know as a violinist this is something that kind of I think about a lot and I with when I go and see a show and seeing a full orchestra for me is a huge part and I think about all the specialist um performers that so for example Wales National Opera opera is not what we're talking about today but it predates um you know legit musical theatre it's much more similar to legit musical theatre and companies like that travel around with a a full orchestra think about how many people's careers that is you know and jobs i think that there's a lot more opportunities in that element and legit musical theatre also traditionally has much bigger choruses there is um generally i know there are some modern musicals with big choruses but it's not the same anymore and i think that um those huge chorus numbers and the big and you know the the celebration of all those voices that isn't quite the same anymore and for me i think that it's nice for as many people as possible to get an opportunity even if it's just on you know singing chorus no lines i think and some musicals now have such small casts that i think it's it's a shame um so what have you got to say about that Hannah. Well, I I actually disagree. I think contemporary musical actually really broadens the the exclusiveness. So, um, Shrek, for example, has good uh, chorus, especially in Broadway. Uh, I've seen it on tour, so obviously the cast size was limited because they're travelling. But especially in Broadway clips, big chorus for Shrek, whereas Rent um, has more of a medium chorus. And then you've got things like. Um, 
I don't know, Chicago, where it's probably quite limited because you only need really, like, um, the six main girls and, and things like that. Like, boys' choruses, it really lacks and everything. But I, I disagree. I think contemporary musicals, yes, yes, there are a lot more smaller cast members, like, last five years, only two people. There's, um, uh, I Love You Because, only six, um and like next to normal again i think that's only six characters again but the thing is though is that like i said you go back to shrek and and miss saigon and beauty and the beast where it's huge chorus numbers and also the whole thing is again it's just this broadness this this idea of you can do whatever you want with the music aladdin have a big orchestra the producers that's a really funny musical that has a good big orchestra shrek has an orchestra whereas rent has a band and then um hamilton is sort of a bit of a mixture of both because it has elements of strings but then it's kind of hip-hoppy so you could say it's um a bit techno not techno but like it's got like technology in it <laughs> but then wicked's got um orchestra as well and book of Mo so actually i think contemporary is more interesting because if you wanted to go to a musical for that because i agree with you it's such a, an amazing moment when you're listening to an overture with a huge orchestra and it's great like i found that with um thoroughly modern millie and oklahoma when i've been a part of that it's great when you're behind the curtains and you're hearing this overture but then um stuff like miss saigon and beauty and the beast it does it as well so it's down to the composer so and also down to the consumer um you can just choose what tailors to your um needs yeah um i've got to say that that is quite a good point i hadn't thought of quite so many examples and i'll give credit where Thanks. credit's due i hadn't kind of thought about things like beauty and the beast and the number of cast numbers so i've got to yeah. say i agree with you there i think there are elements of you know this potentially i mean it's the way the industry is going is that there's less roles for top yeah. performers but yeah. i think that is less to do with the changing of musical theater and more to do with the defunding of the arts yeah. um so but my that. next point i'm going to bring on to about inclusivity um is you know kind of the role of race and mm. um size and i think these are things that kind of you think about a traditional so you think about for example the oklahoma film mm. and um the the one from the 50s not the huge yeah. jackman no. thing on youtube there's not one yeah. fat person in there no there's not one <laughs> i will agree <laughs> as there's, two curvy girls yeah, yeah, there's yeah. not one big there's one no, there and there's no one big no. and there's no one who isn't white but that yeah. is not at all the way that it has to be you know that isn't um i mean i'm going to exclude showboat because that is less often put on now because it's got some dodgy issues questionable, questionable yeah. as we've discussed before yeah but if we talk about something like oklahoma there is no reason why that can't have colorblind casting mm. like um something like hamilton can and i think mm. when you tell those stories you can do it however you want but i think you've become with some musicals that discuss race it's amazing that they discuss race mm. um but you look at say um so for example we look at miss Lagon, um and you know there's a question of whether say all the girls should all be of asian origin or whether and even is that is that colorist should they all be um t uh, vietnam uh, vietnamese sorry um and i think that and so something like hairspray it's difficult to do hairspray 
without um, mm. you know cast members of the correct race because I think it doesn't have the same same kind of Effect. emphasis. Yeah. But I think things like Oklahoma, Carousel, these shows can be put on kind of with anybody. Anybody can do it, and yeah. I think and go also talking about that. So if we go at Hairspray and Tracy, I think Tracy should always. Which, uh, always you know, always be played by a big girl because yeah. it's part of the role. Mm. Um, uh, but yeah. that doesn't mean that, say, other roles in other shows, you know, mm. there's not to say that you can't have a big lorry in Oklahoma mm. in nowadays. I think it comes down to the director. Yeah. No, I do, I do agree. I, I understand what you're saying there. But yes, backtracking, yeah. So I agree with what you mean. Like, I do think Oklahoma doesn't actually have to be um, a set race uh, for. Um, a character but i do think contemporary musical other than hairspray and other shows you mentioned like that um i do think a lot of them can just be like really random like dear evan hansen um you know the i think zoe was played by um a black woman i think on west end and that's amazing like it was it was great or she was the understudy but a friend of mine went to see it and and she was um a black woman and um like it's just stuff like that you, you you i don't think musicals are written now for a race yeah or actually sometimes even a gender yeah you know? like a company um i know that's sondheim so it doesn't really go but you know company obviously got gender switched yes uh, which was like a really cool thing um which yeah which is like cool why not do more of that Oklahoma gender switch that'd be interesting that would be interesting <laughs> maybe they should do that Judy Fry <laughs> oh my god <laughs> or Carol no nice try <laughs> I tried <laughs> leave it at Judy Fry <laughs> well Laurie can still be Laurie because Laurie is a boy's name too yeah and Ado Arnold <laughs> I think me and Hannah both have a similar point here, which is I think that regardless of the production, really, it can be taken in any way. And we've mentioned Amdram a lot today, but I think that's one thing that works in the favour of this because often if you're putting on an Amdram show, Mm. you have a very diverse cast to work with um, and people, and you're casting based on who can sing the roles. (laughs) That's your priority over... um, And then, you know, you end up with like a really diverse cast which i think is amazing mm. which obviously you're not going to see as much mm. with the contemporary shows because like hannah said once the if they're current on the west end yeah you call broadway you know then you're not going to get them in the uk so mm. i think um sorry as amdram so i think that kind of is only going to be seen more with legit musical theater mm. um but and on that element in amdram but i think it should be encouraged more on the West End and in yeah, all places. And definitely. like we said, we're coming a long way. With, We've come so far. And we have. And colourblind casting is becoming a thing for the first time, which is incredible. Which is amazing, yeah. And I think that casting should, to a certain element, be completely blind in yeah. some ways. I think um, that might be a stretch. Yeah. But, you know, there's some elements, I think, that could mm. definitely be it's, played it, around yeah, with. Definitely. Well, it's really weird. Like, I love it how we're not debating now. We're just going We're just having it. Yeah. I was like, it's because we love each other too uh, much. It's because uh, we both just make such good points that we don't yeah, want to fight it. I know. It's like, we'll, we'll, we'll and end up, like, not having a friendship after. Because yeah. I'm quite competitive. The first so. one, we were like, well, ram, bam, bam. And then as it's gone through, <laughs> we're like, gentler. Oh. <laughs> yeah, because um, yeah, my uh, singing teacher, uh, she uh, was, like, so she's in 
involved in the musical theatre industry and she was saying that um, I think it was either her husband or like a friend of hers was at an audition and the people literally came out and they didn't hear them sing, they didn't see them dance, nothing. They just came out and looked at these people and said yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. So And this was for the role of Glinda. So the auditions for Glinda were literally straight up at the start based off of what they looked like. That's it's like that's crazy what it's like why because they could have thrown away and like the best the most talented yeah. person there and and just because she was too short she wasn't i don't know she wasn't um the, or tall enough or yeah she, she, she didn't have the body image in mind yeah, that they, it's, it's yeah. mental it's really really crazy and the thing is i think as well if you're sacrificing potentially someone with an incredible voice or incredible know. you know yeah. whatever it is yeah for the appearance i don't think yeah. you know that's why gender yeah. it, i think shouldn't come into it because if somebody can deliver the role if somebody is a different race if somebody's a different mm. size yeah. but they're the best person for it then there's yeah. no reason they shouldn't be cast well, that's why i like uh, that's why a bit where like amateur theater amdram I love that word. We keep saying Amdram. Amdram. I feel like I've never said that in my life. I've said it about 50 times today. (laughs) Well, you know, Amdram. No, but that's why I love it. Because like you said, because actually what you're really looking for is who is the best. You normally end up casting somebody who would never even probably be on the scene Mm. on a West End or Broadway. You know, and and that's, I think, is is really cool. You know, how because um yeah i yeah i I think and that's why i quite like amateur theater in that sense because you're you just need the best person you don't care how the best person Mm. comes yeah and that's i think how like west end and broadway should be casted i mean i got told this like like a year or so ago you know things might have changed over corona I don't, know, I don't know, but yeah, I got told that, and it's a bit like, wow, is it? Yeah, but I won. No, you did not. I win. won. You did Contemporary not. Contemporary musicals are the best. But honestly, though, um, if you can make the effort of going, clicking out Spotify and going into Instagram and following us at, at the Weekly Overture, please tell us if you really liked the debate. Because if you did, we'll probably do another one. Or yeah. if you preferred us, just stating our opinions and uh please don't feel like i know this might sound strange it's cringe to tell us or like anything like that because yeah. that's how i might feel oh but it on it honestly isn't because we're both like absolute mm. nerds and like oh you know, yeah it, it's not it's not cringe yeah, at all even if yeah. you go like i can't believe what you said <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's a camera <laughs> uh, yeah. oh my gosh yeah yeah okay Punch wraps up yeah yeah Again. Well, thank you very much for listening to a very different episode of the Weekly Overture. We hope you enjoyed it. I did. I did as well. I think we should do another one. I think we should. And I think it's also uh, been fun us being in person. I'd like to know as well whether you can notice a difference on whether we're on Zoom or on here. Is it more personal? Do you feel like you're in the room with us? Um, <laughs> okay. Right. Um, and so thank you very much for listening. Let us know your thoughts. This has been the Weekly Overture with me, Meg. And me, Hannah. And make sure to listen in next week. I won. No, she didn't.